0: Support for starting small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Humanscale at humanscale.com and use code Small at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code Small at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Jeff McFarlane, co-founder of Wink Wines, a membership-focused wine company curated to your taste. Jeff and his co-founder became well aware that the long-lasting tradition of sharing a glass of wine can be hit or miss when choosing that perfect wine. They created Wink out of the idea that wine needs to be more accessible and they can curate that perfect wine based off of your taste buds. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today I'm joined by Jeff McFarlane of Wink Wines. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so I want to start out with your upbringing. So, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
1: Yeah, I, I, I grew up uh, in in Denver, Colorado. Um, spent a lot of time outdoors uh, and um, you know with, uh, with a couple of amazing parents. Um, and so yeah, I, I was really lucky and, and very grateful for uh, having a, uh, a, a really strong uh, family, a really strong foundation. Uh, to build off of, and, and then an amazing mentor in my dad uh, who, um, you know, was an entrepreneur himself and, and really, um, you know, w- w- would push me and, and to, to be, um, to continue to be thoughtful and, um, and, and to find experiences and to, to always be exploring uh, and discovering the world um, and, you know, that was both uh, when it came to, to work and uh, and um, school, uh, but also, um, you know, sports and the outdoors and, and really uh, had, a ver- had a great diversity of experiences uh, growing up.
0: Mm, amazing. So would you say that you had an entrepreneurship mindset, say lemonade stands or Sony products growing up as a kid?
1: Yeah, I mean, not not so much um, lemonade stands or yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. I think um, you know, I think it was just a continual push to explore, um, to to challenge ideas, to challenge things. I think that um, that overall take was was just sort of ingrained in in, in my father, and then and then therefore I think ingrained in me.
0: Got it. So, I saw you went on to the University of Denver in 2003. Uh, what did you study there?
1: I, you broke up for a second there. Sorry about that.
0: Oh, no worries. I saw you went on to the University of Denver in 2003. I was curious, what did you study there?
1: Yep. Yeah, so I, I studied um, finance uh, and accounting and, um, and, and really... Um, you know, but but it was a it was a unique college experience in that um, my my dad had gotten very uh, sick, um, and and so I started actually at Syracuse University, um, mm-hmm. and my dad had a lung transplant um, while I was uh, away at, at at Syracuse University, um, and you know it's one of those things where you get a call. Um, and a few hours later, you're, you're having a massive, uh, surgery. And so, uh, you know, that happened, the the lung that he received actually had a, um, had a, had a large infection, uh, that then spread throughout his body. And he spent, uh, a few weeks in, in the ICU. Um, and, and for the first 10 days I was, I was away at, at school. Um, Mm. so when I came home for, for Christmas at the end of, uh, that semester, um, you know, he was recovering um, and and I, and I was just like, you know, this doesn't make sense for me to be uh, traveling from, from Denver to just to New York to, to go to college um, yeah. while, while my dad's in this uh, position. And so um, I ended up transferring back to DU um, and had a pretty unique college experience in that, you know, when I moved back, I, I wanted to spend a lot of time uh, with my dad and, and, my, and help my mom out and, and supporting him. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't, I moved back and, um, you know, didn't move on to campus and, and, you know, it was really, uh, then, you know, college became more about going to class and, um, and then separately of that, uh, you know, really spending a lot of time, uh, with family and, but because of that, um, I ended up having a lot of, a relatively large amount of free time, uh, as well in in college, you know, where it wasn't, I wasn't really like in dorms or, or in a fraternity or, or playing sports at that point. And so yeah. um, I got I got in, into business right away and, and started um, working on um, businesses uh, basically right away when I got, when I had transferred back from Syracuse. And Syracuse was a much more normal college experience, like living in the dorms, uh, yeah. you know, we, we going to go basketball games and, um, you know, going out with friends all the time and, and sort of a more, I'd say, normal college experience. But when I moved back, uh to DU it was much more about um you know family and then and then I immediately come sort of got into uh business and it started a couple companies um while I was in college.
0: Amazing. So you mentioned earlier um athletics was a big part of your childhood. Were you involved with any say athletics in school or even clubs outside of athletics?
1: Yeah, I I grew I mean I grew up playing um sports. I went to a small uh elementary and middle school uh where i only had um i think there was like 60 60 kids in in our class and so i was able mm-hmm. to play uh by, by being in a small school i think the benefit of that is you get to um you get to play a lot of sports and so you, it was a three-season um athlete and you know in middle school and, and and could really you know get into many sports and played football basketball and lacrosse and then when i went on to high school um there was 900 um students in our graduating class Um, Mm. and so couldn't play three sports uh once i moved on to high school but but played lacrosse in high school
0: got it so following college and prior to wink you mentioned that you were starting some companies if you could provide some examples of what these looked like and did you work for anyone else in this time frame
1: yeah yeah i um (laughs) i i my parents um had me go out and get a job uh i think on my 14th or 15th birthday and, um, went out and, and got a job at Abercrombie and Fitch. And I, I think I I worked there folding t-shirts for, uh, about five days before I was like, this is really not great. Um, (laughs) and, and so ended up, um, having that conversation with my dad and he was like, well, you know, what are you going to do instead? And so, um, it was, it was right when digital music was, uh, beginning to, uh, take off, and so um, a, a buddy of mine and I started a um, mobile DJ company where we were doing proms and um, graduation parties, and and ultimately by the wow. time we were eighteen, weddings and and, and, and larger <laughs> event, and company parties and and all sorts of things. And and what we you know what we were doing is uh, you know most of the the DJs at these parties uh, were were playing music off CDs and literally having to like switch the the CDs between um, songs. And then also, you know, when they got requests or new music came out um, it was never available for them Mm. um, to play. And so we, you know, all we did was we, we bought all the same music, but we just uploaded it onto hard drives and then we just play off of our laptop. Um, You know, this is early two thousands. And so um, late, late nineties, early two thousands. And so, it really was um, an opportunity where we we were just creating a better experience for, um, for the parties that we were, uh, playing at and, uh, the business kind of, you know, took off a little bit and and, and it was a chance for us to really learn about, you know, investing capital and the equipment that we were buying. Um, you know, what was the return on those assets? What, you know, really seeing a a P and L and ultimately focusing on, you know, customers and creating a good experience. So that was, um, that was my first real job, I'd say, since uh, I don't think working at Abercrombie and Fitch for five days counts.
0: Wow! So, did you continue this uh, when you returned back to the University of Denver? Then was this through college?
1: No. So that that was through high school, and then when I went off to school, the, my my business partner, um, who still remained, uh, you know, one of my. Uh, best friends and we still work together on, on a lot of ideas and, and, and are always um, sort of working on our, our prospective companies together. But uh, mm-hmm. we, 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 he took over that business um, when I left and then ultimately sold it to, to another business in, in Colorado and got, um, you know, we each got a, a, a small, you know, a decent amount of, of money that allowed us to start the first business that we started together when we came back to DU. And that was, you um, you know, we started getting into um, very, very small real estate development. So we were buying, mm. um, you know, very inexpensive homes and, and fixing and and flipping them. Uh, you know, we were doing all the work on our own. So ripping out the cabinets and, um, and, and, and learning, uh, you know, how to, how to install cabinets and counters and paint walls and redo floors. And um, but so we did that for um, a couple of years in college and that, that, continued to sort of uh allow us to to grow the the capital base that we have and 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 we took that into uh larger larger and larger real estate development and 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 once we had proven out um the first home which we got the down payment from our um you know from selling the the business we Mm -hmm. um by the time we had done that a few times we started um you know networking with some other people and in um, Denver and started raising some capital, uh, and, and spurred that into, uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit more expensive homes and, and ultimately, um, from the ground up development of, um, townhomes and, um, and and then ultimately that rolled into, um, a larger commercial real estate business where we were buying, um, and and commercial real estate, you know, small, small retail and, and office space, uh, and then ultimately that, um, led to us starting uh, a restaurant and bar group uh that we mm. started together in denver and that uh was really first you know I, I had grown up my dad um always uh we always i grew up cooking with him um he he had a hospitality business a hotel uh management company um and so you know really grew up with um you know having that creating experiences for others and 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 then and in business aspect and so the you know, opening restaurants and bars was the first opportunity, the real estate I loved because you could design spaces for people, but um, mm-hmm. you know, the the food and, and restaurants was where, where you really could um, design entire experiences for people and take them on a journey. Um, you know, even if it's for, for a short time and that was um, you know, that, that pairing with also um, my love for cooking and um, and generally just food and wine uh, was a, was a, array of sort of, we expanded the commercial real estate business and then um, restaurants and bars. And this sort of grew in college. It was just the um, fix and flips and then a little bit more of an infill development. But um, yeah, I actually didn't, didn't fully finish uh, college and made it (laughs) uh, just over three years. And then uh, the businesses were taking off. And and so I just um, rolled into focusing full-time on the businesses and, and and grew the, the the bar and restaurant group uh, as well as the real estate development company um in our in our early 20s
0: wow that's amazing so this restaurant were you guys scratching your own um say recipes from scratch or what, what was the restaurant
1: yeah i mean it, no no we we ended up hiring um hiring chefs and and really okay. you know we were it, as we invested in some of the commercial real estate it gave us an opportunity to to open up some of our own experiences and so um you know it, it started with a. um a small bar, and then and then we ultimately the first um, full-on restaurant was a um, Neapolitan uh, pizza uh, yeah. oven, and, and and you know the 800 degrees wood fire pizza um, in the early days for that pizza really um, coming into uh, into into a trend that's um, remained. Um, and I think that that business we ended up selling that business. Uh, it's still still in operations. I think they've got three locations in in Denver. It's called Pizza Republica.
0: I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Jeff's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, All33. 33. All33 33 provides a chair that is slouch-proof. Unlike other chairs that allow you to lean back in unsafe angles, this chair is designed to cradle your pelvis and lower back, causing your vertebrae to stack in an ideal posture. If you've been working from home for the past year, you understand that comfort is a necessity for efficiency. For myself, I used to experience bad back pain simply because of bad posture. This chair forces me to sit up straight and focus on what lies ahead, my work. Make sure to check out All33 for yourself at all33.com and use code Starting Small at checkout to save $100 off your order. That's code Starting Small at all33.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. And I presume that this has much inspiration towards moving into Wink Wines. So Wink was created in 2011. What yep. inspired you to enter the wine industry along with selling D to C?
1: Yeah. Um, so, so probably helpful to rewind a little bit back before that. So that, yeah, we, we, we had, had been building a real estate business, um, as well as the hospitality business. And then, um, you know, we, we really started that in earnest like 2003, 2004, uh, and, and, and it really started to pick up and gain momentum, uh, and then, and then the financial crisis hit in 2008, and um, you know we had we had built a lot of the real estate portfolio on top of um, commercial loans and, um, and you know bank loans as well as private loans, um, and and you know the, the asset prices dropped very significantly and very quickly for us, and so mm. uh, we learned some some very uh, hard lessons over the the following years as we. Uh, you know, the bank, many of the banks we were working with were taken over by the FDIC. We were, you know, working with the federal government on, on, on how to get loans paid off and trying to sell these, you know, much of the real estate to, to try to, um, you know, cover other areas of where loans were being called. Um, mm-hmm. also, you know, the restaurants and and bars, uh, took a major hit in, in overall sales. So we, 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 um, we were trying to figure out what we're going to do next and uh, how we're going to grow this. And and really, you know, it took us over four years of workouts and failures and, um, and just, you know, really challenging, uh, situation. My dad also passed away in 2008. And so Mm. it was, um, it was a It was a really challenging time. And, um, and, and we, we had, uh, gotten to know uh, another entrepreneur who had, who had had trouble with, um, his his business which was a payments business um in in denver and, and so we we were we were at the point where you know the restaurants were the ones that were working were working the the ones that that, that had trouble through the economic um or the financial uh crisis of 2008 um we had either given back to uh, or we, we had sold or um you know we're selling the buildings and and then the spaces were vacant and so we um you know, we weren't doing a lot, and so we we actually got involved in a in a payments business, um, in developing a, a you know an online gateway, and um, sales business that was you know, relatively similar to to Stripe or or Braintree, um, and then we raised some money from some of the real estate developers and and other connections that we had in Denver to to turn that payments company around, um, and 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 we're beginning to grow that, and that was really our first foray into. You know, a business where you went into an office every day, um, you know, you sort of had teams and developing culture. Uh, and it was also a business that really taught us about, um, you know, acquiring customers and, and lifetime value of customers. And so, yeah. um, but what I what I quickly re- learned is, you know, we did, we did that from 2009 through, through 2011 was that I am much more passionate about uh, creating experiences and, and, and actually building a, a consumer face business versus a B2B business um and 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 maybe you know the b2b business uh you know great margins really good businesses building SaaS companies but it just wasn't where my true passion lied and so um yeah. as we were building that business ultimately the investors um that there was one major investor in that deal that that really wanted to grow that business um to, to continue to grow that business and grow cash flow positive and and we had an opportunity to sell some of that business to cover uh also uh some a lot of the, the real estate, uh, deals that we were trying to work out. So it all kind of came together and, and and we ended up selling that, that business, um, to cover, to cover uh, and help us work out of some of the real estate deals as well as, um, you know, really wanted to get into back into something I was really passionate about. And, then, and, and that was the, that was the wine concept. And so it was really pulling the hospitality love that I had for creating experiences with consumers and the, um, and then ultimately the you know acquiring customers in a digital manner and and sort of the, you know through that business we had seen a lot of these e-commerce businesses start to to really grow very rapidly um, you know in 2010 and 2011 sort of sort of the next sort of e sort of web web 2.0 when e-commerce started to go more mobile people were you know in front of their computers much more often and and user experiences were were starting to get better and better and the technology was getting easier and easier to build uh, and so it was really a merging of all those different experiences that led to starting a business that I was really passionate about, that I was excited about building, um, and then in a spa- and then and then taking you know where the where the market was going, and, and really um, you know connecting consumers with um, with a product, and, and really connecting the next generation of consumers uh, with a product that that really made sense to to take online.
0: Got it. So where did you initially look for sourcing then for the wines, uh, yeah. physical wine itself?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, i would had, i had some great connections with, um, sommeliers and other restaurateurs in Denver that had become good friends as we had built, uh, that mm-hmm. business in Colorado. So it really leaned on them to start to introduce us to, um, you know, up and coming winemakers and producers that, uh, would be excited about, um, you know, partnering with, with this new, um, subscription wine club and and that's really how it started um is is just connecting with um connecting with winemakers and and producers and that was the original concept behind the business was um you know we'd we'd go out and find um you know the up and coming winemakers that um you know were doing something really cool and and then tell that story to the consumers and what we realized mm. over time was this was an amazing opportunity um, for us to market the, these products and, and ultimately yeah. get consumer data on which products were working really well. Uh, and then we've, we've taken that back into our supply chain. And, and really, uh, you know, we're now investing in, in brands and products that um, that we know consumers love. And, and we're growing those uh, now in an omni channel approach, you know, both both through the wholesale channel as well as as well as online.
0: Got it. So at launch, then what varieties of wines did you initially launch with?
1: I mean, it, we, we were just beginning to explore all, all, you know, all different types of stuff, but it was, it's, you know, typical, mm-hmm. typical um, sort of main varietals that everyone knows is how we started with, um, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay and um, and Pinot Noir and, and Zinfandel and, and Red Blend. So it was really, you know, the, the core varietals um, from exciting winemakers um, that, that, uh, that we had found. And, and ultimately that's how, you know, within months I'd met, you um, Brian Smith, who's um, been a co-founder with us and is now the president, and and, and I'm CEO. And um, mm-hmm. you know, he was one of those winemakers growing one of his own own brands, and and realized the challenges of of getting a new brand and product uh, off the ground uh, in the current distribution system. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. realized the power of getting scale in that, but um, but but really being able to go digital first and make sure that you're building a product that customers love before you go out into um distribution uh, and so he he really saw that vision and 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 you know we've been partners now for the last uh 10 years
0: awesome logistically what does the shipping process entail for D2C wine then uh being an alcoholic beverage
1: yeah so um i mean fedex and ups really handle the, the logistics of picking it up from our warehouse and delivering it to a customer and then we're integrated okay. with um a software that that helps us manage compliance and payment of the right taxes to the right states uh, and then we had to go through a licensing process um, in every state that we ship into. Uh, you know, we need a license to ship alcohol into that state as a, as a, as a winery and a, and a direct consumer shipper. And so, um, you know, it's taken some work to get all of that, those licenses in place, and then um, the right technology integration to make sure we're filing correctly and um, and that we're compliant in in who we ship to. But uh, ultimately, you know, we, we run two warehouses where, um we do all of the pick pack um and, and and ultimate fulfillment and then FedEx uh picks up from there and they handle making sure that um you know the 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 recipient is over twenty one um mm. and, and ultimately handle getting the box from from our warehouse to customer stores.
0: Got it. And entering into this kind of like new industry uh into the wine industry with this new segment. What were your main forms of marketing then, especially being D to C, which was not traditional prior?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think that's uh, so our customer base is much younger than um, most of the wine clubs and online and and most of where wines are being shipped to me. Even, um, you know, some of the other people that think might think that, you know, we're competitive, like naked wines or or first leaf has a much older demographic. And I think, you know, that really boiled down to when we started the company in 2011, 2012, um you know that was really the uh, um there was this huge opportunity at the time for for advertising cheap for, for advertising and getting customers very inexpensively on Facebook um mm-hmm. you know it was really before digital marketing had really taken off um and so there was a there was a really big hedge at the time for what you could the big brands weren't on it um you weren't competing with um you know a lot of a lot of big brands and so we we really use that to, to spur a lot of our early growth in, in 2013, 14, 15. It's still a major advertising channel for us today, but we're a lot more diversified and and go after a lot of other channels outside of those. Uh, but but sure. really I think that's why we have um, 70, I think 75% of our customers are under 44. Um, and wow. so um, we've got a very a much younger customer than than most of our competitors. And I think it's it's where we really started and when we started that's allowed us to to really grow that customer base we're also you know most of the wine buyers online um historically have been male and we are predominantly female so um, we've really Mm -hmm. brought um a new generation of customers and and wine drinker um to 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 one i think just drinking wine in general Um, but we're bringing a lot of new buyers to the space that that i think other companies have had challenges um connecting with with that demographic of customer, uh, in the wine space. And, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons we've been so successful.
0: That kind of tails into my next question. Looking at wink today, uh, what would you say separates wink from competitors? Say customer service, the physical product, et cetera.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we, we, you know, we believe we're a wine company first. Um, and so it's our job to deliver the absolute best products that customers love. Um, I think we've got a very unique model in the way that we do it. Um, we've got. Uh, we you know we really focus on where can we be innovative innovating on uh, new products uh, how can we be uh, you know really thoughtful in the products that we go into and then how can we go really deep into those products to make sure that they're um, they're the best products on the market for the, for the dollar and so we spend a lot of time focusing on how do we have the best products and, and not necessarily the most products so we're not trying to be a company with the most selection um, we're not trying to be a company with unlimited selection we really want it to be extremely curated uh, and then the products that we're going to work on we want them to be phenomenal uh, and then we yeah. really want uh, you know we really want to tell the story of those products to to our customers so they know why we're producing them why we're so excited about them and um, and so you know we, we had last year we we um, summer water has, has been one of those products that, that we think we you know we're just making some of the best best rosé in the world and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we really, ca- we care most about our customer reviews and, and the cu- and, and the, and the actual product success of how much do our customers love it. Yeah. And that's a product that certainly uh, remains true, but we also were, it's also nice to get some industry love. And, uh, you know, last year, summer water was, was in the top 100 wines of the year, uh, mm-hmm. rated by wine enthusiasts and was the highest rated Rose, uh, in the world by them. So it, 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 it's wow. pretty cool. Um, pretty cool that, you know, and I think good affirmation that we're really focusing on making amazing products um, that, that customers love. And, and, I think we, we, we will continue to invest the most amount of our resources into creating best in class products um, and, and, and not necessarily having hundreds and hundreds of different products, but having the best versions of, of each of the products that we create. Uh, and I think Summerwater is the, the best example of that, but we're, We've got many others that are sort of fast on top of the teals that are, that are, um, that are launching and have launched in the last uh, couple of years.
0: Awesome. So if a listener was to access wink.com today, um, from a customer POV, what does the process look like from the initial palette profile to yep. receiving wine?
1: Yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's a pretty simple process where customers, um, you know, they typically see an ad and then they'll land on the website and, um, you know, we we will we do at any given time have 40 to 50 products uh, on the website, and so um, and wine is a relatively confusing category, I think, for for a lot of people. So we try to simplify it and and make it a personal experience. So initially, we'll we'll ask uh, just a few questions um, from a customer, and that's really just to get an idea of of what they might like. Um, you know, it's not going to be perfect every time, but it's 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 a way that we can get to know a customer. We also have a product guarantee, so if if customers don't like any of the products we'll, we'll, we'll replace them um, and, until we get to know each customer a little bit better. Uh, and then, and then they, you know, so we'll make a recommendation based on those quiz on, on an initial box of, of four bottles that'll ship out to a customer's house. And then, um, you know, customers will have a chance to, to try those wines and rate those wines. Uh, and then based on the data that we get back and, and once we know that they've tried wines and, and how they've rated those wines, um, on an individual basis, it gives us even more data to be able to go back and, and, and recommend new products. And so, you know, and we're using the, that data two ways, one, one to help make a more personal experience for the customer, but also to really figure out, you know, which customer, w- which products are are amazing products that we should um, continue to invest in into and amplify and which products are products that, you know, maybe aren't hitting the right mark with, um, with either certain customers or with, larger or with a larger group as a whole. And then we'll, we'll innovate and try to improve on those, those products on a go forward basis. So it's, it's really a, a two way relationship with our customers. Um, and then, you know, once they get that, once they're gone through and rated each month, they're um, you know, you, you get credits uh, put into your account that is charged to your credit card. And then customers can come back and, and choose and shop whether they want to buy a wine again, that they, that they love or whether they want to explore some new products that we might've, Launched or or tried, um, or that that, that they may want to try something new.
0: Mm, Awesome. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret. Just anything.
1: Yeah, I I think um, you know. I think as a as an entrepreneur, what you're trying to do is is look for problems that exist out that, that you believe exist out in the world, and then create value for, for customers and, and iterate, um, on that idea. And, you know, the initial idea that you launch with is, is maybe not that there's almost always not going to be the idea that you, um, end up with. But I think if you, um, find a problem that you're passionate about solving and, and then, you know, just creating a perseverance and a will to want to continue to grow, iterate, push and learn, um, you know, it's your job to just take in all the different factors continue to learn get better and iterate forward to solve a problem um, that exists out in the marketplace and I think um, that persistence um, mixed with um, mixed with you know trying to solve real problems is 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 what's led us to or me to be um, successful with wink and there's certainly been years where it's been a lot harder to grow the business and there's been times when no one believed in investing the dollars in the business that we felt like we needed to grow it and um, you know those those times come and go and you just continue I think with persistence and with a focus on solving problems and learning um, and that's gotten us to where we are today we've had a great period of growth the last last year but I'm sure as we continue to grow this business in the future there'll be plenty of uh, challenging times where we have to um, you know look back at how we can be better for the customer and how we can learn as a company so that we can push forward and, and and go to the next stage.
0: Amazing. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Wink Wines at wink.com. Thanks so much for having me, Karen. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.